0: God bless you. you, may be seated. Hallelujah. So we've been uh been in our series Follow Me, and today we do part three of Follow Me. And my subtitle today is Do You Know Him? <clears throat> do You Know Him? What did he say? Whoop. Oh, he's excited to go to the uh preteen ministry. I get that. He gave us a what's, up. what's that? He gave us a what's up. Hey, what's up? What's up? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, just so you know, we have a, uh, we're going to have actually a youth-led service coming, I think that's in October, that Zach and I talked about, and so they've been doing worship back there and learning and, and growing, and so they're, they're going to come in and they'll lead the whole congregation uh, in service on a Sunday morning. I think that's going to be an exciting time. So they're working on it, they're making sure they get all their ducks in a row, because they know that you're a hard crowd to please. See what I'm saying? All I can tell you is that when they get up here, I can take it. I'm a grown man, but when they get up here, you better be amen and, you know, or oh me and, you know, either they're stepping on your toes or you can give them a little bit of witness, amen? amen. I said amen? amen? All right, we're here this morning. Well, listen, do you know him this morning is the question that I ask in context of his call to come follow him. Now, we talked the first week about a discipleship dialogue, that that if if we're going to, follow Christ we have to have a discipleship dialogue and I don't know if you know this but do you know that everybody who followed Jesus wasn't saved when they were following Jesus they got saved as a result of following Jesus they got saved as a result of the discipleship dialogue there's nothing wrong with with making a decision to follow Christ to to uh saying a a prayer that confesses with your mouth believes in your heart and confesses with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord but I would have you know that, that that, you know, salvation is not just a moment. Salvation is a process. God said that he's given us, right, the, the opportunity to work out our salvation unto him with fear and trembling. Fear, reverent fear that we're going to follow God. We're serious about following God. We're going to read his word and, and, and we're going to pray. But while I say that, understand it's not your works that are getting things done for you. It's the fact that you invite God to come into your life and His power is making things possible for you. Can I, you say amen? So, of all the things, this is uh, of all the things that Jesus ever said. I think one, one of the, the, the best scriptures that I've read uh, recently and, and it stood out to me, one of the best things that Jesus ever said is come eat breakfast. Come eat breakfast. That's right. I said, Jesus said, come eat breakfast. How many of you like to have breakfast with Jesus? How many of you, how many of you know that, that normally when you're going to breakfast and you get up in the morning, you're not wanting to hang out with people you don't like? I said, when you get up in the morning, you're not wanting to hang around people you don't like. You might have a little bit of tolerance later on in the day for that, but you ain't wanting to start your morning that way. Amen. And so Jesus, uh, what happens is we have a passage of scripture. I'm going to read through the whole thing to give us context, and then we're going to delve a little bit deeper into it. But Jesus invited his disciples to have breakfast with him. In John 21, 1 through 19, it says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, uh, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee uh, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Come on, how many fishermen we have in the room today? You know, I'll just stop there and pause and tell you a story, a little bit of a rabbit trail, I guess. There's just nothing like going fishing. There's something peaceful about it until you go all day and you don't catch fish. And there's something that just disturbs you, right? Right? Not catching fish is, is it's just not a good time. Now, if you enjoy the mountains, I do enjoy the mountains. And so, going, you know, it's kind of, you know, when you're not catching fish and you get a little frustrated that you're not catching fish, you're like, oh, well, it's a beautiful, oh, these mountains are so beautiful. It's just great to be out and, and uh, you know, up in the mountains. Deep down inside, you're thinking, it sucks that I'm not catching fish today, Right? But, you know, you don't want to be a murmur or complainer, especially as a Christian, because you know that it doesn't go well for murmurers and complainers. So you, so you dig down deep, and you grab a little bit of the fruit of the Spirit, and you just like, look at God's beautiful creation. This is amazing to be out here. Now, that might be the case if you're mature, and you've grown up in the things of the Lord, you know, but I got to take my uh, grandson's fishing recently, and... Um, They're fishing, and you, you know how it goes. They got their little poles, and the line's getting all tangled up. And, and, you know, I didn't do much fishing because my whole thing was clip that piece off, clip that piece off, retie that, fix it. And, you know, and I'd hear the other one go, Papo, my pole's tangled, you fix it. And they come over, and I'm fixing that one. And then the other one, Papo, my pole's tangled, would you fix it? I'm like, yep, I'm doing that one. Finally, I'm like, I'm done working with these. I'm gonna get my fly rod. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with them. And, and interesting enough, uh, Elijah uh, picked up Kimmy Ann, actually, and her kids were with us and uh, uh, took us up to a lake. We went fishing. Um, but little Booger gets a fly rod going. And he's five years old, man. He gets that thing going like bing, bing. It's, I mean, he's doing a great job as a five-year-old. I was shocked that he could work that fly rod. Like, Kimmy was like, man, I can't believe he's doing that that well at five years old. But needless to say, I, uh, we'd gotten to a point we weren't catching any fish. And how many know for a five-year-old and, a, and a, a four-year-old, that's rough, and they can see him swimming by, there's one, there's one papa. it's like, dude, this is horrible. Well, I see this other guy over there with his little boy, his boy was probably about eight, and he's sitting over there, and it's an older guy, you can tell it's a grandfather, and I'm a grandfather, so you know, there's something in common there. He's a little older than I was, but uh, he's over there, and I mean, they're, they're reeling him in, man. 13, 14, 15 inch trout, you know, huge trout. I'm like, dude, I'm like, hey, uh, what are you using? And he went, come over here. So I walk around and I go over, and he shows me, and he reaches in this bag he's got and he pulls out fish food. And he goes, What you do is you get the line ready, you throw the fish food in, and you drop the fly right in in the middle of the fish food. Dude, and he does it, and he's like, boom, and a big old fish right on the line. I'm like, uh-huh, where did you get that stuff? And he's like, well, here, let me give you some, one grandfather to another, you know. So he get, he, I put it in my pocket. And, and here's the thing. Kimmy Ann, did you know I did that that day? I didn't think so. Ah, uh, yeah, I didn't think so. Um, but I didn't want my grandbabies going home and getting skunked because I want them to go fishing in the future with me. You know how it goes, right? You go out and fish. If you, you get a kid out there, and they fish four or five times, and they don't catch anything. I don't like fishing, so I wanted him to like fishing, and so when, when that guy showed me that, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that, and, and uh, so I get over there with Elijah, and he, I didn't let him see though, that was the thing, I didn't want him to know that he could do that, and I just kind of toss him out there, fly goes in, boom, it hits it, he's got it in his hands, he's fighting, and he's like, I got one, Papo, I got one, and everybody else that was fishing with us that day is like, what? I didn't tell him either. Actually, Kimmy's daughter knew that that was going on. Did I just rat her out? <laughs> and so, so anyway, he gets his first fish. I mean, and it's a big fish. It was a nice fish. Judah, Papa, I ain't catching any fish. Why ain't I catch any? Oh, man, it's just, and you know, he's the younger one. And, you know, he's got, the, the one has the auburn red hair, and then the other one, Judah, has the fiery red hair. And I just want you to know, it's the right hair on him. And uh so so here's what happens. We get over they they leave that spot. That grandfather and his grandson left that one spot they were in. And I went over there, and there's like 40 fish, man, just swimming around, you know, in that area, like a bunch of sharks, you know. And uh, I get Judah, I'm like, look over there, Judah. And he looks, and I'm like, Ping. and there goes a fish. He's like, oh, and we got a video of him, man. I mean, I let it go out, and and he's wrestling it, you know, and he's having a good old time. Well, I submit that story to you today to say that Jesus did something similar. Kimmy, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus performed a miracle. And to my grandsons, man, it was a miracle that they come over and get on a pole with Papaw, and it's like, dang, when I'm a Papaw, man, I catch some fish, right? I was their hero, except for when it came to lunchtime, and all I had was PBJs. And yes, I have to tell that part of the story. So there's something about fishing and eating together, you know, it's a good thing to do and I wheel out the PBJs and I give them their PBJs and that's peanut butter and jelly for those that don't know. (laughs) Judah looks at me and goes, I want turkey and cheese. And I went, eat your PBJ buddy. And I walked around the truck and I was doing something over there and then I come back around, I come back around and Judah's holding the turkey and cheese sandwich. And I'm like, what? where did you get that from? He smiles at me and goes, like, what are you eating? And he goes, turkey and cheese. And I'm like, you know, whoa, Jesus just manifested a miracle. Nope, it was Kimmy's son, Josh. Now he split his in half and gave it to him. You know, and of course, you know, Judah now forever will think that if he goes somewhere and, uh, you know, he's got one type of food, he's getting the other. I don't know that that's all bad to have that kind of expectation. Last couple weeks, I've been saying to you, it's okay for you to express to Jesus what you want. Y'all remember that? What you want from him. He asked his father, followers that on a regular basis. What do you want? And they would express what they wanted. And he would invite them to come with him. He would, he would, he would uh, pour out his power, and his miracle working power, if you will, in their life. And this is another example of that. Let's read on. They, they said to him, uh, We're going with you also. So he's going fishing. We're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And uh, the night, excuse me, that night they caught, come on somebody, nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know, did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Come on, somebody. He was giving some fish food out there. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple, listen to this, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord now when Simon Peter heard that, it, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. And then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire uh, of coals, and, and fish laid on it with bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. There's the invitation. Come and eat breakfast. Breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him. Here it is. None of the disciples dared to ask him, (laughs) who are you? who are you? Do you know who he is today? They didn't dare to ask him, who are you? Why? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Now it goes, that lands on agape when Jesus says to him, unconditionally, do you love me? And I understand three times he denied the Lord. Jesus comes back and is asking him three times, do you love me? Hmm. He's grieved, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, here comes the challenge. Here comes the challenge. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spake, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken, he said to him, follow me. There's that invitation again that Jesus gives. He's done it over and over and over in his disciples' lives. I believe he does it over and over and over in our lives. Why? Because none of us, right, none of us are following Jesus, Jesus perfectly. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord? I wish we were. I wish I could follow him perfectly. The Bible says to strive for perfection. He doesn't say that you attain it. When you're striving for perfection and it's in the relationship with the one who died on the cross for you, understand that it's his perfection that makes up, right, your imperfection. He's the one that fills the gap. He's the intercessor that fills the void that you cannot fill. And that's why you need that discipleship dialogue with him on a daily basis. You need to have that interaction with Jesus. And that's why you need to understand it is by faith. See, what I talked about the first week, having that discipleship dialogue Because you come closer to Jesus by staying in conversation with him. And as you draw nearer to him, your faith grows so that you keep walking with Jesus. Amen? You keep answering that call, come follow me. And I'll tell you this, the thing that will inspire you more than anything is to know him. So I ask you again, do you know him today? I'll wrap this passage up and I want to share a video with you. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple, listen, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast that supper, and said, remember, that was the last supper, and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said, Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Now, I pointed out, A little bit to that last week, and to understand that that Jesus, he doesn't want you to be as concerned about how others are following him as you are about how you're following him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus is concerned about how you are following him. How's your relationship with him? Do you know who he is? And if you do, will you follow him? I want you to uh, watch this video that I have, um, and the phrase, do you know him? Keep that in mind because it'll be used in this video. It's a video called That's My King by Ian Lockridge. Um, he's a pastor from some years ago. He's, he's, he's passed away now. But it's one of the most famous um, quotes of the Bible where you look at a, a pastor that's taken from Genesis to Revelation. And man, does I mean he just has the, the, the passion and the oomph and the voice that just booms those uh, processes and thoughts of who Jesus is as a king, who he is as a savior, who he is as a healer, and, and on and on and on, and all the different aspects of who Jesus is. So, so when I ask the question, do you know him, there are so much of him to know, and this video really uh, brings that together so that as we approach the, the three main things that I want to share with you today, I think will come from that understanding of who Jesus
1: is. Can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's Son he's a sinner's savior he's the centerpiece of civilization he's unparalleled he's unprecedented he is the loftiest idea in literature he's the highest personality in philosophy he's the fundamental doctrine of true theology he's the only one qualified to be an all sufficient savior i wonder if you know him today he supplies strength for the weak he's available for the tempted and the tried he sympathizes and he saves he strengthens and sustains he guards and he guides he heals the sick he cleans the lepers he forgives sinners he discharges debtors he delivers the captive he defends the feeble he blesses Herod couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's Marky! Isn't that awesome? That's
0: Marky! It's one of my favorite videos, I've seen that many times, I'm sure uh, many of you have seen it, Um, but I'll tell you this, do you think the disciples fully comprehended? I mean, come on, they just experienced a miracle, you know, fishing, you know, it's like my grandchildren, I mean... They thought I was amazing. Can you imagine? They're they're hauling in this catch, 153 fish. It's not tearing the nets, but they can't get it on the boat. Can you imagine that they've toiled all night and just in a moment at his word, that miracle? Can you imagine the excitement? I mean, it was exciting enough for Peter to just throw his garment off, plunge in, and swim back, you know, rather than coming back on the boat with everybody else. That's how excited he was, you know. Um, here, here Here's what I would say to you is if you knew that was who was inviting you to have breakfast with him every morning. I think it's, it's interesting because there's a, there's a passage in the scripture that, that speaks of early in the morning the psalmist said, well, I rise up and seek you. And, and there's an element of here Jesus is. He's out early. They're, out early they're, they're just getting in from being up all night. And Jesus is there at the dawn. There when the sun's coming up and he's inviting them to have breakfast. That their first meal, they, they got the fish and they got the bread. But come on now. You don't think they were out on that boat when they're catching these fish that they toiled all night to catch in at his word. See, they're feasting on the spiritual side of things first. They're, they're drawing in who he is. They're realizing. You, you do understand the guy who penned that passage in the Bible Uh, about the disciple whom Jesus loved said, it's the Lord. The one who wrote that was actually the one that, you know, it was John. And John was saying, the disciple who Jesus, me, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. (laughs) I mean, come on. Right? How powerful is that? I want to read verse uh, 12 again from this passage. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Do you know him? This is my first point following that. uh, Would you recognize Jesus in your life? Do you recognize Jesus when he does things for you? John 21, 15, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathanael of Cana, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. And I think it's very key that he's given this list of names. And the reason why is Jesus shows himself to his disciples. He shows himself to the disciples for the purpose of having communion with them, of interacting with them. And it's up to them whether they'll respond. Amen. They could have said, ah, oh, you're crazy. We've been fishing all night. I'm not going to put the net back in, right? Have you ever done that? God, where are you at? And you just kind of quit rather than continuing to seek him, asking him to speak to you so you know where to go from there. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, the best thing that can happen in your life is to hear a word from Jesus, amen? Here, here's, here's why I bring this up, would you recognize Jesus? I want you to consider some of the research that's taken place here in America concerning Christianity. Research that shows four out of five Americans call themselves Christians, but less than half of this group of self-identified Christians are involved in church on a weekly basis. Now That's obviously not you, you're here. But half, less than half of those who identify as Christians are involved in a local church, are involved in gathering together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, with COVID-19, there are people gathering with us right now online. They're, they won't forsake the gathering together one way or another I'm going to be a part of what's going on in the church, amen? Less than half believe the Bible is accurate. Less than half of people who profess to be Christian believe that the Bible is accurate. They believe that there's mistakes, just you know, that it's not trustworthy, if you will. And I got to tell you that that's the first lie the devil's going to want you to, to embrace is that you can't trust the word of God. The overwhelming majority do not have a biblical view of the world around them. In other words, their first response is what they think. It's not what God thinks about situations going on around us. It's, I have an idea how to do this, or I have an idea how to do that, rather than going to, what does God's word say about how to do that? Did you know that Ecclesiastes tells us there's nothing new under the sun? Nothing new under the sun. There's no problems we're facing today that the world hasn't faced at some point or another. It might have different nuances about it. There might be some uniqueness about it, but at the core, it's still dealing with the same problems. It's humankind, mankind, right? You know, the first murder didn't didn't happen just yesterday. If you read your Bible, you go all the way back to Genesis. It's a brother that he, he killed his brother, right? Cain killed Abel. What was it over? Did Abel found favor with God and Cain did not? Cain wanted to do it his way, not God's way. Abel came to God his way. He honored God, and, and God is higher. I'm, I'm under, and he's over. He, he's 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 all supreme, and, and I'm the one that comes to him because I need him in my life. God wants us in his life. He doesn't need us in his life. You, you get the difference there. God has existed, always has existed, and always will exist. The question is, How will we exist without him? Amen. And so uh, then the the second thing here, even greater researchers found that those who describe themselves as born-again Christians, right, described as having a personal relationship with Jesus, that have accepted him as Savior, almost half of Americans describe themselves as born-again Christians. So it's four out of five on the first one, but half of those who say they're born-again Christians you know, or, or say that they're born again Christians. And this is what researchers found that their lifestyle is virtually undistinguishable from the world around them. That they don't stand out as following Christ, they, they fit in really well in the world. And, and you got to understand that in the book of Acts, if you ever go read the book of Acts, you're going to find out that the church, that God's people were never called to be a subculture of the culture, God's people were called to be a counterculture to the culture. We're supposed to stand out as light in the midst of darkness. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world and he dwells on the inside of us. So if I know him, if I know him, I understand the importance of his light reflecting his ways, his truth, his grace, his mercy, his love. Even his, come on now, his judgment. Last week I talked about you know, when you get to sharing the word of God or you're talking about living for God and you come into contact with somebody that's not, and you're like, you know, and they're like, you know, um, you know, I, you know I, I, I've been going out and I've been partying and, and you know, I lost my job because I didn't show up at work and da-da-da-da-da, right? That kind of thing happens, you're like, you know, maybe you, there's a better lifestyle you could pick. I mean, you know, the Bible says, you know, that, um, you know, not to be given to Wine, we're in excess. It's not that you can't go have a beer or a glass of wine or drink, but the reality is this don't be given to it in excess. Why? Because it leads to that kind of thing. Don't be given to it in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're judging me. Come on now. How many of us in here have said to somebody who was trying to hold us accountable or, or, or encourage us with the scripture? Or encourage us with something that God has to say, and they've said it to us, and it's like, you're judging me. Raise your hand if you've ever said that to anybody. Well, how about, look, don't quote scripture at me. How many of you have ever done that? And I'll tell you what, you know, they say lightning strikes were, you know. Right? We've all had moments, and, and now let me do it this way. Maybe this will go over a little better. How many of you have ever thought that? If you're married, you've thought it. Don't, don't even lie. Because your wife or your husband sitting next to you, they know. They know you, right? But here's the deal. We've we got to come to a place where we're okay to have people around us who, look, not beat us down, but will encourage us, look, God's got so much more for your life. And that'll be revealed as you're closer to him. Do you know him? Do you know him as healer? Do you know him as holiness? Do you know him as the truth? If you know him as the truth, then it'll expose the lie. And if you're living any kind of lie in your life, getting next to Jesus, spending time with Jesus will cause that lie to be like, hey, that's a lie. Walk away from that and come follow me, is what Jesus would say. So listen to this, researchers found that their lifestyle virtually is undistinguishable from the world around them, that many believe works can save them. If I do just enough good works, then, then I'll get saved, I'll get to go to heaven. That's not what the Bible says, it says by grace you have been saved through faith, or faith through grace. It actually flips them both around. If you go to Hebrews chapter 5, you're going to see it work in both ways. Look, it takes faith and grace, and grace is what leads to faith. Come on now. Yeah, come on now. you got to say amen. It's just in the word of God. And we need to have a revelation of that. Christians, this is another thing that's believed by, listen, by people who profess to be born-again Christians. They believe that Christians and Muslims, half of them believe that Christians and Muslims serve the same God. They do not. It's completely different. And let me say this, that that you start to find out really quick if you're going to be like Peter and deny him right that, that first round when you get in society and you're faced with the culture and it tells you that you know that you're uh, judgmental right and and that you just don't get that that there's more than one way you're you're narrow in your thinking right because you don't believe in pluralism that, that there's many ways to god no there is not there's only one way the bible is clear about that and that goes right back to if half of christians that's right give him all the praise If half of Christians don't believe the Bible's accurate, then it's easy for people to sell to them the the lie that there's other ways to get to God. There is no other way. The Bible actually declares that anybody who comes another way is a thief and a liar. That they're like Satan. Now, I get this kind of preaching isn't popular. But I believe it's why we're facing so many challenges as a society. When you think about all the challenges that we face... Everybody's looking to be the answer rather than looking to the one who is the answer. I'm going to stop here before I start crying about the state of the way things are. It should grieve our heart to see the way things are in our society. But understand that they will never be solved by one against another. It's the contrast of what God calls us to as Christians and if four out of five people in America profess to be Christian, I ask you, why so great a divide? How is it even possible if four out of five, only if there are lies that have been embraced and accepted, that, that man is the answer? The Bible is not. The word of God is not. In the beginning was a word. Can anybody finish it with me? In the beginning was a word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word, right, became flesh and dwelt among men. We got to trust the Bible and we need to read it. We need to spend time in it so that we're able to communicate it in a right manner. Not to push people away, but to give an invitation. And I get that when you say like, you know, Muslims do not serve the same God. There's going to be a lot of people that would be mad over that. Matter of fact, who knows what will happen because it is online. Who knows what will be said, and I would go back to this and say this, you can read in your Bible, and you'll find out that, that God was good to Ishmael, who is the father, right? He would be the father of 12 princes that will become a nation, you know, 12 nations, and on and on and on. And you want to know something? Those are the Muslim nations. But they are not, they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They profess Muhammad to be the Messiah. Muhammad is not the Messiah. Y'all are like getting nervous, like, man, what, people see this, man. I don't know if I want to go to church here anymore. Start preaching truth like that, man. People will be coming out and they won't shut you down. You know, this is that's the whole thing Jesus is saying to Peter here in this passage of scripture. When you were young, you went wherever you wanted to go, but as you get older, you'll be led by another. What he's referring to in that passage is his crucifixion. Peter, you'll be crucified as I was crucified. You're gonna follow me, and yeah, you know, in your following, you're gonna you're deny yourself, and you're gonna to come to this place of following me to the point of death. But Peter's attitude when they went to crucify him, anybody? Peter's attitude was right where it needed to be. I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. Uh, crucify me upside down. So here's the one that's saying to Jesus when he's gone. When he's going to the cross, Peter's like, far be it from you to go to the cross. That's not God's will for your life. To sacrifice? Come on. Peter's like, get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Jesus knew his purpose. And then he, in this passage, he's telling Peter, this is your purpose, to follow me. And when you follow me, this is what it's going to lead you to. You will give your life. Just I, I, Lord, I'm never going to leave you, is what he said. He ended up denying him. Peter... Gets restored here three times. Jesus is asking him, do you love me? And it all kind of spins on a dime when all of a sudden Peter is gonna walk the path that Jesus walked. He's gonna be crucified himself. But Peter's attitude, oh my goodness, what an amazing attitude uh, Peter developed as he followed his Savior, amen? And uh, in that thought on uh, research here, so people have taken data like this to determine that Christians really are not that different from the rest of the world. Professing Christians, not practicing Christians. Come on, somebody, give an amen to that. Professing is different than practicing. Yes, we need to profess, but if it's not followed up by practice, it means very little. How do I know that? Because Matthew seven twenty one says this. 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Hmm, lawlessness. You see lawlessness growing in our land. Understand that, that the Bible says that lawlessness in the latter days, lawlessness will abound. It's going to grow. It's going to get worse. But while that's getting worse and the world gets darker, the church is supposed to become brighter and brighter. It's supposed to be easier for people to see a distinction between the church and the world, that counterculture to the culture. And I, I challenge all of us to rise to the occasion, to hear that call, to come follow him, and, and, and answer that call, and, and, and I'll say this to you, would you recognize him when he calls you? And I want to say if, if the word of God, you don't believe it to be accurate, it'll be very hard for you to recognize Jesus when you start letting the world mix their thoughts in there. Can I get an amen? So let me give you the second point then. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know like the disciple John knew? Would you be willing to, to sit down and, and write on a piece of paper for all to see? Jesus loves me. I'm his beloved disciple. Come on now. And hey, you think about it, he's penning that. Now, the Bible was written as holy men of God were moved on by the Holy Spirit. It's like, well, that's easy to say when you're the one writing that about yourself. And I want to say, until you can write that about yourself, about your life in relationship with Jesus, you don't know him. That's why he died on the cross. The whole purpose for dying was because that's how much he loved you. If it was just you, he'd have still done it. He'd have still given his life. So know that for a fact. Sit down. I I would challenge you to sit down in those moments when you're having conversations. And hey, remember the last two weeks I've been saying, every time the follower came, somebody's there, Jesus would go, what do you want? What do you want in life? What do you want out of life? What do you believe in God for? Write that down. Write it down. And then below that, jump to this one, right? And write down, uh, Jesus loves me. <laughs> I'm his beloved disciple. Well, come on, are you getting what I'm, what I'm preaching this morning? You are his beloved disciple. How do I know it's not just John that was a beloved disciple? Or, you know, that Jesus loved. How many remember Lazarus? the guy who died and and it was buried in a tomb, right? You remember Mary and Martha, his sisters? Jesus hung out with them. They were friends, right? Mary and Martha, when you remember when they come to Jesus, right? And they say to him, hey Jesus, Lazarus, your friend, what? Whom you love. Your friend who you love. They knew it. They knew Jesus loved him. And they come to him, the appeal to come healing because he was sick and dying is, hey, Jesus, uh, Lazarus, your friend, the one you love, is sick and dying, come healing. Jesus is like, let's go. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He continued to do what the Father was doing. He continued to do, he was always obedient, so he was where he needed to be, doing what he needed to be doing, when he was supposed to be doing it. Yeah, but Lazarus is sick and dying. Now's the time to leave what you're doing here and run over here because that's what God's doing right now, right? Nope. He finished what he was doing and then he moved to, uh, to go meet the family and Lazarus and so on. He gets there and he weeps and they're like, you know, he, he weeps because he, he loved them so much, right? But what he does is he he all of a sudden prays the Father, I thank you. Short prayer, say short You do not have to pray long prayers to get miracles. Shorter the better, to be honest with you. You know, a lot of times it was be healed. (laughs) You know, it's like, serious? You know, yeah. Jesus is not long-winded about miracles, right? Cast your net on the other side. What right? Pretty quick. Short. And what does he say? Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Lazarus, come forth. And that friend he loved come out of the grave. Now understand, he'd be wrapped up, you know, mummy style, right? Right? He'd been in there three days. They said this. Been in there three days. He stinketh. King James version. (laughs) He stinketh. So when he called him forth, I'm just thinking, you know, he's all wrapped up. How did he come out of there when he walked out of there, you know? (laughs) Right? But he came out of that grave nonetheless. Healed. Raised from the dead. Jesus is always... He's always bringing miracles with him. Do you know him today? Do you know him? And if you know him, I would just say follow him. Be faithful to follow him. He loves you. The third one. Did I give you a scripture on that? Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his, gar- his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. Um, Peter knew how much the Lord loved him, right? And there's no question about how much Peter loved the Lord. And he was so excited, he wasn't going to wait for the boat to get back. He's swimming ashore because he wants to see his Savior, amen? And so number three, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Hmm, listen. Listen, John 21 and 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? More than these. Now, it's interesting because you don't see Jesus like, you know, it's like a parent, right? Like, I don't love one of my children over the other child. But there's things about a child that I, there's favorite things about each child. Their personality and the way they are. You know? Uh, Vanessa, my middle child, her wittiness. It's funny, my grandson Judah is a lot like Vanessa and they both have that red hair. Um, But... It's like there's, there's uniquenesses. And I think that there was things that Jesus absolutely just admired about Peter, things he admired about John, things he admired about James, things he admired, and on and on. And there's things that Jesus admires about you. My question is, is that, you know, in that relationship that you have with Christ, the Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. That's part of the reason you got to get that one down and start, you know, Jesus loves me. And not just singing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now here's the thing. For the statistics I shared about people who don't believe the Bible's accurate, that that little song, it's amazing, the truth that's in that simple, you know, nursery rhyme kind of song. That if we could just get a revelation of that, that Jesus loves me, and the Bible's made it clear, And i'm going to write down and i'm going to know i'm going to know in my heart i'm going to speak it with my mouth i'm going to know right that he is lord i believe in my heart and i confess with my mouth him as savior i believe in my heart that jesus loves me that's why he died on the cross for me and so because he loves me that way it inspires me to love him back to be passionate to to be moved when Jesus, Jesus moves to me when I read the word and I see the promises of God watch that are yes and amen to me if they're yes and amen that's always God moving to you in miracle working power all you gotta do is embrace it for what it is and know that he loves you and just love on him a little bit love him back, can I get an amen in the house of the Lord this morning, love him back he deserves it, he deserves your praise he deserves your honor He deserves it, and it ought to be given to him, amen? I close with this statement. Jesus is not interested in what you think about how others are following him. He's interested in what you think about following him. You you don't have to be looking on other people. Just look here. And the thing is, you become an amazing example for others to follow, amen? Paul the Apostle, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow Jesus. And others are going to recognize something different. You just don't fit in the world. You stand out from the world, and they're going to want what you have. Amen? Stand to your feet with me, and let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. God, those watching online, and, oh, Father, you, you, you always want more, God, for us than, than we could ever want for you, from you. I, it's, it's something that is mind-boggling to me that I get to thinking about what I need in life and so on and you, you want us to ask but at the same time with faith knowing that Father you withhold nothing good from us and so Father right now in Jesus name I pray for every person in this room that Lord they would recognize who you are in their life they'd recognize you as Savior they'd recognize you as healer they would recognize you God as the truth the way and the life They recognize, God, there's nothing that they can't bring to you that, God, you won't guide them through and help them. Lord, you have called us to be overcomers. Father, to to be the head and not the tail, to live in victory. And God, our ways, God, are different. Your ways are higher and your ways are better than ours. So help us, Father, to see that as we draw near to you in relationship. God, as we recognize how much you love us. God, let us love you back. I know... We could never scratch the surface of how much you love us, but God, I pray that as the Bible says that we strive for perfection, that we will do, God, we'll give our greatest effort to love you back as much as you love us. Lord, what a relationship we would have with you if we kept you at the center of our life. Lord, I pray your blessings and your peace over your people. God, I pray that over the next... Uh, course of the next few days and, and weeks ahead. God, they're always stepping into more uh, relationship with you, deeper, better, stronger. And God, they would sense your presence and your power, God, leading them, guiding them, and assisting them in life's journey. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.